Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, I'm going to give a talk from the Dhammapada, the sayings of the Buddha today. I'm going to read the chapter that's called The Fool. We're going to talk about that title. And I'm going to give my commentary throughout, okay? And this, by the way, is the Gilfransdal translation of the Dhammapada, the teachings of the Buddha, that I'm reading from, okay? So, I'm going to recite the chapter, and I'm going to comment on it throughout. The Fool. Night is long for one lying awake. Seven miles is long for one exhausted. Samsara is long for fools, ignorant of the true dharma. Now, I want to set that aside for a second and just tell you, sometimes this is translated as immature or child instead of fool, okay? And I'm telling you that because fool sounds like a big Thing. Like, if you call somebody a fool, that's an incredible insult. And it also, it sounds like something that you can't change. Whereas immature sounds like something you can change, right? We all grow up. So, so keep in mind, as we're talking about what the fool does, that this is about maturing into our potential. Maturing into our potential. Not changing fundamentally who we are, but rather maturing into our full potential, okay? So... So, if we're fools, if we're childish, then we are going to languish in our suffering. That's the message. We're going to languish on our suffering. If while on your way, you meet no one, you're equal or better, steadily continue on your way alone. There is no fellowship with fools. So, if you can't find friends who are virtuous and wise and good then it's better to be alone. That's that's what it's saying. And if you've ever had a friend who uh, was a bad influence on you or was kind of a bad person, somebody with values that maybe don't align with positivity and compassion and mindfulness, well, that's that's what we're talking about here. I used to have a friend who made fun of people all the time, like in a mean-spirited way made fun of other people all the time. And ultimately, I thought, well, why why would I spend time with a person like this when 80% of what they say is just a negative thing about another person, you know? And I used to, and in fact, a very long time ago, I kind of was that way myself. I used to be the kind of person who had a very negative view of the world. And like, I would see a movie and think, oh, that movie's bad. It had a happy ending. That, that sort of person is who I was. So I've, I've been a fool. I've been the fool before. And I think a lot of us have. And it's better to be with people that uplift us. Be with people that lift you up. You can't, I love this quote. You can't sh- change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. I don't know who said that. It's a it's a meme where you see like a pretty picture and that's 
a quote that's there, but I don't, I don't know who said it, but I really like it because that's the truth. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. We're making choices about who we choose to spend our time with, and you become a little bit more like the people you choose to spend your time with. So really, if you could be with good influences, with positive people, with people that are filled with compassion and mindfulness that really care about making the world a better place, well, that's a good thing, okay? Okay. A fool suffers thinking, I have children, I have wealth. One's self is not even one's own. How then are children? How then are wealth? How then is wealth? Oh my gosh. So, we cling to things. And we say, this is mine. I control this. And that doesn't always serve us very well. So in the case of wealth, of course, we could obsess with our wealth and be afraid people are going to take it from us all the time. That happens very easily, right? With children, as a parent, I um, connect with this. And I just want to say with children, if you think of your child as yours, that could be a problem. That could be a problem. You can get really upset when they make a choice that you don't want them to make. And we can freak out about that even when it's not something bad, but it's just not what we think is best for them. And especially the older children get, the more that can happen, of course. But we don't want to react in anger at our kids, even, even really little kids. If the kid is making a mistake, doing something wrong, putting themselves in danger, whatever, you don't want to lash out in anger, You want to come at them with reason and kindness and redirect them in a way that's not uh, stealing your own well-being because that's what anger does. It steals your own well-being. It makes you unhappy. I want to be able to redirect my child without making myself unhappy while I'm doing it, right? Um, That's not good for anyone. So that's what I think of when I think of that um, I have children, I have children. You don't own your children. They're people. They're people. Every person you meet is a person, in fact. And I think we don't don't always think that way. And sometimes we do think of our children as possessions rather than as beings with their own thoughts, opinions, hobbies, desires, wishes, religion, whatever, beliefs. They are. They are people. They are people. And they start independent thinking and having their own ideas and personalities Maybe earlier than we think sometimes. A fool, conscious of her foolishness, is to that extent wise. But a fool who considers himself wise is the one to be called a fool. So that's like um, Socrates, the Greek philosopher, he said, all I know is that I know nothing. Some, something along those lines. That may not be exact. But the point is, people started calling him wise only because he didn't think he had everything figured out. And everybody else around thought they had everything figured out. He was conscious of his foolishness. He knew the limitations of his intellect and wisdom. And we don't always. You know, sometimes we think something's correct and in fact... We think, how dare you disagree with me when someone has a different opinion? We think that way sometimes. 
that doesn't serve us very well. That's not understanding our own foolishness, right? A fool associating with a sage, if, if even if for a lifetime, will no more perceive the dharma than a spoon will re- perceive the taste of soup. A discerning person who associates with a sage, even if for a brief moment, will quickly, quickly perceive the dharma as the tongue perceives the taste of soup. So, it's not just going to happen. We have to choose to develop wisdom and compassion. We have to choose to go from our foolishness into being a discerning person. And a wise teacher cannot do it for you, no matter how wise they are. Even if they, it was the Buddha himself, you still have to be ready to receive the teachings in order to experience the teachings in order to grow. You have to be prepared. It's not just going to happen. And sometimes we tend to think if we're around the wise person, it's just going to happen. But it involves some determination on our part as well. Fools with no sense go about as their own enemies, doing evil deeds that bear bitter fruit. No deed is good that one regrets having done, that results in weeping and a tear-streaked face. A deed is good that one doesn't regret having done that results in joy and delight. As long as evil has not borne fruit, the fool thinks it is like honey. But when evil does bear fruit, then the fool suffers. So, that's pretty heavy, right? So, what's it saying? It's saying you reap what you sow. I have had in my own life experience where I really wanted to do something that I knew was not the most virtuous thing to do. And I made an excuse and I did the thing and then consequences came. Consequences, very predictable consequences came. And that happens in our lives. And I think the more we learn to pay attention, the more we see that. That, oh, if I let myself do this bad thing, a bad thing will happen to me. Something's going to come back on it. Even if it's my own guilt, my own regrets right i i think we can really think about that and it doesn't have to be like great harm you're causing to someone else and some harm comes back on you it doesn't have to be that way although that's a good example but also it can be man i know i'm eating too many chips and i really want to eat too many chips so i keep eating and then my stomach hurts right that's really direct cause and effect I did a thing that is maybe not the best choice, and then I'm in pain later, right? Right. And so that that is the way things are sometimes. We don't, we don't like to think that way, though. We like to think things just happen. But the truth is that we get ourselves in a lot of trouble, and we are our own worst enemy sometimes. Our own worst enemy. The foolish ascetic who month after month eats food with the tip of a blade of grass is not worth a fraction of a person who has fathomed the Dharma. So the Buddha is just, he's reflecting on those spiritual people who all they do is deny themselves things to an extreme degree and then They aren't happy because that doesn't work either. We can't indulge in every pleasure and we can't give up every pleasure. The Buddha said there's a middle way between these two things and that is where well-being is. That is where, in the middle. 
Like fresh milk, evil deeds do not immediately curdle. Rather, like fire covered with ash, they follow the fool, smoldering. Reasoning is harmful to fools. It ruins their good fortune and splits open their heads. Fools will want unwarranted status, deference from fellow monks, authority in the monasteries, and homage from good families. Quotation marks. Let both householders and renunciants believe that I did this. Let them obey me in every task. End quote. Such are the thoughts of a fool who cultivates desire and pride. So, what are we talking about here? I think um, if we, a fool is one who gets caught up in titles, status, respect, kudos, all those things. And I think of uh, what President Harry Truman once said was, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And when I became a union steward, actually, uh, one of the people that trained me, he said, if you're doing this to get the kudos and the respect and the credit for what you're doing, you should not be doing this because that is not how this works. And I think about that sometimes because it's true. Life is not about being given something, whether it's a title or respect or something else. Life is about service. How can I serve? What can I do best to serve others, but also myself? It's not about being entitled to something. It's really not about me. Rather, what we should be thinking is, how can I be of most benefit to others? How can I be of most benefit to others? And figuring that out is where our work lies. And figuring out uh, where we have resistance to that, that's where our work is too. This is the last verse. Verse, the way to material gain is one thing, the path to nirvana is another. Knowing this, a monk who is the Buddha's disciple should not delight in being venerated, but cultivate solitude instead. So he's telling us very clearly to be careful, to make sure we're doing this for the right reasons, and to be careful with it. So that's it for today. This has been the chapter called The Fool. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for listening, and have a good day.